For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. do it it's episode 219 of blue harvest i'm your host halls burkhart and i'm your host will witten and i'm your guest host rural farm boy that's right we got yes, the sir. rfb in the house people may wonder what's the rfb mean they might think it's rabid fanboy nah they may think it's roderer roger Federick bateman nah they might think it's red fountains of blood. Nah. They might think it means really fake biscuits. Nah. It's Rural Farm Boy on Blue Harvest. How do my Star Wars friends? How's it going, guys? Oh, man. I can't complain. Happy to have Farm Boy on here. And I'm happier in hell to be included amongst my Star Wars friends. So, uh busy week this week for star wars yes sir yes sir oh, yes sir. yeah in fact uh i would say we're we're uh just a couple of weeks away from star wars season truly kicking off so we're going to be mm-hmm. talking a little bit about the force friday stream that happened this week some star wars resistance news uh an interesting producer being brought on for a future star wars project and uh, a whole lot more so uh, which of those, uh, Anthony, a.k.a. Rural Farm Boy, mm-hmm. uh, which one of those topics intrigues you the most? Which one do you want to go with first there, buddy? We'll let you decide. Uh, let's see here. How are we going to start this off? Um, I think maybe the one being kind of passed around the most, because right before we started this, I was in a live chat with the Star Wars Underworld boys. They're recording right now, too. And the big, long topic is Kevin Feige, by far. So, Will, I don't know if you were aware of this. I know you've been pretty busy the last day or so. But uh, big news broke last night. Really? Uh, As reported Mm -hmm. by the Hollywood Reporter, Kevin Feige 
the Mr. MCU himself is developing a Star Wars movie for Lucasfilm. Interesting. Yep. Um, and uh, talk about some big like geek fandom news right there. Yeah, right. That's that's the colliding of worlds. Yeah, and uh, so I'll go over a little bit of the article from the Hollywood Reporter, and then we'll just talk about it a little bit. Um, It says, Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling, and knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together. And that's a quote from Disney Studios co-chairman Alan Horn. Uh, And also in the article, it mentions, like, you know, not only do they have the future of Star Wars to deal with over at Lucasfilm, but Indiana Jones is also coming at some point. And they recently uh, got the rights to this book called The Children of Blood and Bone, which is um, another project that Lucasfilm is going to be uh, handling. So they... a uh, different, like... Just a different property? Yeah, I, I haven't read the book, but I've heard good things about it. So I guess it's just a pretty rel- well-regarded, more recent book that they're doing an adaptation of. Interesting. But anyways, um, they they made sure to stress in the article that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy's still the head of Lucasfilm. They're not looking to change that. That it was an opportunity to work with someone who is a big Star Wars fan. Kevin Feige has expressed that he is a big Star Wars fan. He and, surely is. Um, he also um, uh, mentioned that in the article they mentioned that he has a well-known actor in mind for a role already. Hmm. That's a good way to start, I think. I think that's the way you you write, you know, some of these stories in Hollywood. If you have a specific actor in mind to write a role for them, like that's, I think sometimes that's kick ass when that happens. No, I'm seeing just for here and now uh, the most recent conversation. Um, ain't really rightly sure if Will might seen, but I think Hawes did about who's being talked about. You see who they're talking about. I've seen a couple of suggestions and that's really all they are at this point there there's a lot of like fan speculation and pre-anger going on by the cornier sides of the fandom i wouldn't even say the cornier cornier sides of the internet um the two rumors or not even rumors suggestions i've seen people making are tom holland because as of right now they're not going to be working together on spider-man anymore he and kevin no my spider-man Ooh, i ain't seen that one or who's the other one Brie Larson. Captain. Yep, that's that was yeah, Underworld Boys was just passing that all around. And the Twitterverse, for we started this here now, it's running rampant with her. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think there is any actual confirmation or even official no, talk not of even, that. Not even nearly yet. But Brie Larson did stoke the fires a little bit by posting a picture of her with a lightsaber and say, and and it said, uh, "Did somebody say Star Wars?" So yeah, she had a she had a a brown robe on and some some cream colored tunic and tabards. Yeah, she did with a lightsaber standing next to three PO. Folks are seeing that. Yeah. That would be awesome. 
I think that would be great. Either one of them. Get both of them. Bring a couple MCW, MCW, uh, sorry, Chris Rush, that was for you, buddy. Uh, MCU <laughs> people in and uh, have a good old time. No, uh, I know you're a lot more smart about MCU than I am. But she's also a fan, too. And if there's something that they think maybe a bit later on that she can do in a story, tell us that story. I mean, Kevin has a, something in mind that he wants to tell us a new story. And we're coming into new new Skywalker saga is going to end. And there's going to be all brand new. And if it's something that can work between what Kevin wants to be a part of telling and maybe what Bree can be a part of being told, give us that story. No, I, I think... I think she'd be awesome in Star Wars, and she clearly mm -hmm. wants to be part of Star Wars, so I think that's just sort of a natural fit. The question becomes, mm -hmm. because so far, besides Rogue One and Solo, uh, all the projects they've seemed to announce for the future have been trilogy-based. You have the Game of Thrones guys doing a trilogy. You have Ryan, yep. Ryan Johnson signed on for a trilogy. This sounds like a single movie. And to me, that makes me wonder, um, obviously it could expand into more movies, but as of right now, it just seems like a single movie. It makes me wonder if they're putting uh, the guy who is very good at making standalone movies in an established universe in charge of trying to do take another shot at the standalone movie in Star Wars. I mean, I think that would be amazing. I mean, the dude clearly has some producing talent for such things, you know. Uh, even the smallest box office Marvel movie has made quite a bit of money. Right. Has definitely, you know, made its money back and then some. So, uh, and then the question after that becomes, when is this movie supposed to be coming because we have three star wars movies scheduled before you know starting in three years after this so 2022 are we looking right. at maybe an earlier like a movie coming out before then will this be one of those three i don't know about that because i sort of got the impression that those were going to be all three movies in its own set of movies like a trilogy or whatever Right. Uh, I'm thinking no. This is going to be. This is where I go and say this is why I don't speculate because ain't it hell being outside that big, long, tall Lucasfilm wall where they know what's going on and we don't, and rightly so. But in to me, I'm thinking they got a lot cooking up that we don't know about yet, and I think this might maybe be its own new thing because there's other separate things or maybe a little bit in relation to but I think this here is going to be something all its own and what Ryan's doing I don't know about the Benioff and Weiss boys because it seemed like they take a step or two back and maybe they don't have much of a hand in so far as we know they're maybe doing a little bit because they're doing something somewhere else but we do know that Ryan's still involved and he's going to tell us stories. But what Kevin's got in mind, I think, like you said, Haas, it's its own thing. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be associated with either the Benioff and Weiss or Mm-mm. the Ryan Johnson stuff. Now, they did make it official that the 2022 movie is the first movie of the Benioff and Weiss mm-hmm. stuff. That was an official announcement. And when they announced that huge deal with Netflix that those two dudes made, they in the announcement they said, you know, that they are focused on Star Wars before they start doing the stuff for Netflix. So that as of now at least, you know, as with anything in Star Wars it could change, but it, that seems to be the plan right now is that those dudes are up in 2022. Maybe they want to bring him on to figure out how to do a Star Wars summer movie like Solo was supposed to be, you know? It could be a situation where not only are they going to try and see what he can do with the standalone movie, but also taking another swing at uh, a Star Wars movie being closer to another Star Wars movie's release. Now, you went and said summer movie, and that put me to wondering. Because what they went and did, in my opinion, with Solo which was a really damn good story. But they didn't market it the right kind of way. It was only, what, two months, if, mm-hmm. for that story was told. And that they didn't pass that around enough. And it didn't have to do with any of the things that, in my opinion, I, I think fandom gets caught up in about what's going on with directors and changing the hands. I don't think it had nearly nothing to do with that, but fandom goes and blows that up. It was clearly about the marketing. They didn't do it, and I don't care, in my opinion, that it was close enough to Last Jedi by, what, five, six months. They didn't market it right. You got to go pass that around and let folks know it's coming, and most of the rest of the modern-day world that makes the money for these movies watching these movies, they didn't know about it on top of the competition that they put up against. Yeah, I mean, they were basically competing with themselves and Avengers. Yeah, they were. But they didn't tell nobody they were doing it. And that's what I think I'm seeing. It was just the fandom that picked that up. And it, it can't be just us because there's what I call the momentary modern day world folks. Them's the folks making that putting shelling out that money that picks us up the fandom's big but the modern day world folks the momentary folks yeah they're bigger than our fandom is and that's where the money comes from yeah i mean i'm i'll be honest i'm excited to see what he has in mind now the thing to keep in mind with kevin feige is he's not a writer he will hire a writer he's not a director he will hire a director he is going Mm -hmm. to be doing for this movie, what he's done for the Marvel movies, which is producing them and guiding them along the way. And honestly, I think a component of having him involved with Lucasfilm that might be an important piece of the puzzle is how good Kevin Feige is at coming up with a future roadmap for a franchise. Like, we know what's coming for Marvel. You know, for like the next three years. And before that, we had like three years of movies. So maybe they're even bringing him on to help them figure out a roadmap for the future. Because Mm -hmm. that's also an area that Lucasfilm could seemingly could use some help with. Like That would be brilliant. 
So this is pretty much like you're saying, this is the left hand helping the right hand out, pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, uh, Marvel, owned by Disney, Lucasfilm, owned by Disney, so it mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense to just bring someone in from one of the other offices and see what they can do. Um, Walk across the street and lend a helping hand, absolutely. I'd and love I love the fact that these fans, you know, people that are fans are involved. You know what I'm talking about? Like Kevin Feige and Ryan Johnson and, uh, you know, potentially Brie Larson, all, all, these, all these, you know, J.J. Abrams, all these people that are fans, you know, first and foremost, they, you know, they're going to approach all these projects with respect and dignity and like the, the level of seriousness that you want to see. You know, mm -hmm. it's not somebody that's going to be flippant about any of this stuff. On point, Will. On point, I told Steele the same thing last week when he did that live call-in show. And recently on some other Star Wars pods, of the many I listen to, all them folks behind that wall, that big, long, tong, long tall Lucasfilm wall, they're all fans. Same as we are. Even the folks making MCU, they're the same kind of fans that we are. They just get the privilege of being able to, to be a part of telling us these stories. They want the same things we do, too. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And uh, I think it's a good thing. I think one of Kevin Feige's biggest uh, strong points with how he's handled the MCU are the creative teams he's brought on board, like Taika Waititi, Ryan Coogler. Like, there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent behind those <clears throat> MCU movies, and... Not necessarily does that mean any of those people. I've been seeing people be like, well, it'd be cool if Ryan Coogler did a Star Wars movie or Taika Waititi or, you know, any of the other MCU directors, the Russo brothers. And I do think that would be cool, but I don't think you should underestimate his idea to find someone to direct that you didn't think of before. Because before the Russo brothers did the Captain America movies and the last two Avengers movies, like... It's not like they were out doing a ton of stuff. They worked on that show Community. Like, I think that was one of the few big things they did before coming on to the MCU. So, I think uh, I think that will be a strong point in his involvement with Star Wars. Recognition of talent, perhaps. Not just that, but, you know, <clears throat> except for a couple of cases... It seems like the Marvel productions have been have gone fairly smooth. Like famously, Edgar Wright backed out of being a director for Ant Man because of clashing with uh, you know the studio heads. Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman, was originally going to direct Thor two and backed out because of creative differences with the studio. So you know there have been bumps in the road, but otherwise it does seem to have gone fairly smoothly. <clears throat> and Star Wars kind of need, kind of needs a few more smooth productions under its belt at this point, you know. Yeah. Definitely. That that I'm not really concerned about for my own self. Like I was saying earlier, about what goes on that takes place when they're putting these stories together and different things maybe change up. They're doing that because they know. Story drives everything, and if somebody's not following along, they're going to clear that up and get it back on track. But it's when it comes out here in the real world, 
and fandom finds out about it and there's a big all running around worried about they already got that underhand and yeah. they're, they're doing they're doing the same damn thing that Mr. Lucas was doing with him in mind to get it straight and what do we end up with in the end a really good story yeah I mean, at the end of the day, I've been really happy with the Disney era of Star Wars. I've enjoyed all the movies, so that's all I can really ask for. And mm-hmm. uh, look, I also really enjoy the Marvel movies for the most part. There's been a few that haven't really been my thing, but I feel like the overwhelming majority of them for me personally have been enjoyable. So, uh, you know, I think I see it as a positive, and I'm really interested to see who he brings on board and once we start to hear who's involved and what's going on with that whole thing, it clearly, it sounds like he's got at least some idea of the story. If he has a specific actor in mind for a specific role already. Yeah. So that means he's got an idea of where it's going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, before we get to the Force Friday stuff, there was a ni- neat little announcement this week. Star Wars Resistance is coming back October 6th. Hell yeah. Which is just Bring it on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, to me, that's going to basically be the start of Star Wars season. Because, you know, we'll have Resistance coming back uh, right after Force Friday. And then... Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have resistance to hold us over until the Mandalorian starts, and then Mandalorian to hold us over until the Rise of Skywalker starts, and all kinds of books and comics in between. Oh boy, I can't wait for for Star Wars season to really kick in. It's gonna be great. So I want to go and ask because I was along for all the live streams back at Celebration. Oz, was you and Miss Jesse in the Resistance panel? And get to see that first episode? No, we didn't make it to that panel. Um, okay. All right. You know, there's there's a a balance to be struck at Star Wars Celebration of catching panels you want to see, seeing people you want to see, and checking mm-hmm. out other Star Wars stuff you want to see. And unfortunately, Resistance uh, was not one of the ones we made. So I, I haven't seen the first episode. I know a couple of people that saw it and didn't give me spoilers, but said that it was really good. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that show, and I'll be uh, looking forward to see where they go and how they wrap it all up, since this will be the last season as well. <clears throat> all righty. Um, so, it seems like there's so much more potential there for them to go than they went for there only to be one more season. You know what I honestly think it is, Will? And I... And I until I'm told officially otherwise, this is what I think it is, is that it was always planned to be two seasons and it was always planned to be sort of a stopgap animation show to hold over Star Wars animation until two things happened. Disney Plus came out and uh, the sequel trilogy was wrapped up. Because once the sequel trilogy is wrapped up, that opens up, you know all kinds of Star Wars timeline era you can you can examine in the future and um, and you know without having to worry about stepping on any kind of new movies toes 
So I have a feeling that's why it was always meant to be two seasons. It was meant to, you know, cover Star Wars animation for these two years. Going forward, whatever the next thing is after Clone Wars, after the last season of Clone Wars comes out, if I had to guess, will probably be a Disney Plus exclusive. They'll move it over to there. And um, and I'm kind of hoping it's like, uh, I really want to see it be Luke and Kylo or Ben in between <laughs> Return of the Jedi and <laughs> The Force Awakens. That's yeah, what I really I'll want. Ask you- you're on, you're on point. I'm pretty sure it was Justin Ridge who's the supervising director for Resistance. He said that's how this story was meant to be told in two seasons. Everything they wrote, that's the story for that show. Yeah, and I like that because... I, Go ahead. Luke. I like it too. I think it's unfair to the Colossus. I think it's unfair to the Colossus and where we pick up the story and the racing and all that. The espionage really takes us off on this journey when I feel like the racing and the racers and all that stuff, like maybe it, it maybe it, it, it's, you know, maybe they still run races wherever they go, but it kind of seems like they're on the run at the moment. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea what season two is going to hold. I don't know how much time they are going to have for, racing now the thing we need to keep in mind is just because that was such a cool concept to me you yeah. know what i mean like, and it really ended up not being as focused on in the first season as i thought it would be right um, there were all the different racers hype mm-hmm. phase on like i was looking forward to squeezing all the juice out of that story like um now what we need to keep in mind is just like with clone wars and rebels just because this series ends doesn't necessarily mean we won't see these characters again in whatever the next animated thing is or some animated thing in the future like you know as connected it is it is i don't know i think ahsoka is the only one they've done that with right and darth uh, maul i guess ahsoka and darth maul i mean those were two pretty major elements from the clone wars to carry over into rebels you know i mean that's that's pretty big characters and, and story arcs to continue over into the next one. I'm just saying the possibility is there that we will see more of Kaz and everybody after Resistance is over, just somewhere else. Um, and, you know, eventually they're going to circle back around to Ezra and Thrawn and Sabine and Ahsoka, like that whole story. So mm-hmm. that's that's somewhere in the future. Where that is, we don't know. Like with Dave Filoni off working on the Mandalorian so closely, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit before he gets back to it. But I guarantee you, that is something he is going to want to revisit when the time is right. I mean, it's just such a dangling participle. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to wrap that up at some point. Oh, them stories are coming. Now when? when it's time to be told and it ain't for us to say so we'll see what that is when it when the time's right and when the time's right you can damn sure count on they'll let us know when that is but what about this uh what happened today that triple force friday stuff yeah they they did a live stream today showing off some of but not all of the products that are going to be available on force friday and i'll talk about that a little more um, but 
the fir- the thing that sort of kicked off the entire stream was a new trailer for Jedi Fallen Order that looks pretty cool and is a little more focused on the overall story, it seems like. Uh, Will, did you have a chance to check that out? Yeah, I did. It was awesome. What would you think of it? Besides, <laughs> it was I, awesome. It was, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was great to see the villain a little more. Uh, some big boss animals, some bi- you know, some big crazy Star Wars mega animals. I don't know what, what you call them. Like really. a giant bat. It looks giant like a... bat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's sure that's going to gonna have a name. I'm sure that 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 creature is going to have a name at some point. Of course. But the second sister, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. That lightsaber she's wielding. Does that mean that it? That she was an inquisitor or something. She is an inquisitor. It's, she is. Yeah, I mean, she like is. she is an inquisitor, but like, is it broken or is it whole? I couldn't see in the. She little used piece. a single blade. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know how Darth Maul can only ignite one end of his lightsaber. The inquisitors right. don't always have to use both ends. Okay. I, I'm just hoping she doesn't helicopter around the place with that thing. I was just going to say that. You know she's not going to. I ha, I there's no way she could. But the back no. that happened and there's no way. But doesn't nope. doesn't nope. that nope. seem like a, an element in a boss fight in a game they would oh, use man, though? That's so video game. Like that's like, what I saw when I saw it in on TV. When I was like I was like no way. That's so that's like Kingdom Hearts right there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure after the uh, the complaints about helicopter lightsabers. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see that again. Yeah, I mean you're that. I mean it's one of those things that if they did it, if they did it in the game, it would be clearly them ignoring people being like, "Ah, oh, that was kind of dumb." If you do that in the game, you need to throw one of those little Attack of Titan slides in there somewhere during a loading screen to explain to me how those blades of light generate lift. Okay. Oh yeah, I better be able to pick up a data tape or something that I can then go and play or, li- or like read, where it's like uh, the Inquisitors have uh, a million little fans in the hilt of their lightsabers. Yeah. Um, I got nothing to say to that. I'll just let it be. They. Uh, I look. I'm excited for this game. I so no, wait. Now, Hodge, you're a gamer. Uh, as as is Will. As am I. Oh, that I did not know. All right, so I'm in. I'm all in just for myself for the story. Same same as I was for um, the Iden Versio Battlefront Two part of that game for Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went and found the cutscenes just for myself. I just want to know that story, and that was a goddamn fine good story yeah I, I i thought they did a really good job with the story in battlefront 2 for sure i can i can watch that like it's a like it's a a star wars film it's a story to me the cutscenes alone tells me so much because just for me my gaming systems i get a ps2 and an n64 that's how up to date i am <laughs> but but that story so what's coming for Jedi Fallen Order? Well, hell, I want to know what this story is now, too, for myself. But you're going to go and play that. So now I'm looking forward to what you're going to go and do and find 
and maybe tell me a part of the story that maybe I ain't made, maybe seen yet. Oh, I imagine Will and I will be covering that, uh, that game in detail. And I'm sure King Tom and I will be talking about it over on Masters of Harvest Kasi on the Blue Harvest Patreon, patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Patreon, or Blue Harvest Podcast. Woof. Um, I can almost guarantee every single one of these listeners that we will talk about that video game way too much. Oh, yeah. Way be more like, than you want uh, to. Way guys, more than you want to hear about it. Guys, uh, Rise of Skywalker just came out, and you guys are still talking about Jedi Fallen Order. You're going to be like, some of us don't play video games. Like, and you know what? Keep talking about Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. And also, other Blue Harvest listeners, I'm a Patreon of Blue Harvest. Come join me and listen to Harvest Cossie, where they tell us about the Star Wars stories in game ways and game stories. Uh, yeah, that's right. For anybody that doesn't play video games, you know, you can get all the juicy goodness from what's in the video games from Haas. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Will's going to be a guest on that show soon, and we got another guest lined up. We got some guests lined up there. To play some Star Wars video games and talk about them. Um, Will, I know you were super busy today. You were a cooking fool today, from what I understand, right? I was, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So you didn't get a chance to check out the the live stream of Star Wars toys like I did. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you know what that means. It's time for Steve Cobra's Cobra's favorite favorite segment. Um, Explosion kitten heads. Uh-huh. They showed off some cool stuff. They didn't show off a single thing that hasn't been popping up on Yak Face or Kylo Collector on Instagram, any of the uh, sort of Star Wars collecting focused places that you would see such things. Um, but it was a fun event, I thought. They had like, you know, different actors and actresses on hand to check out their figures for the first time. So, like, Daisy Ridley was there, and they showed her, you know, their her newest uh, figures, um, Pedro Pascal and uh, Gina Carano from The Mandalorian. Very mm-hmm. excited to see their Star Wars figures. Oh, that's cool. And it was fun. Um, I do I'd feel like... I'd be stoked if I was immortalized as a Star Wars character. I'd be elated. Are you kidding me? Of course. Oh, Will, you gotta go back and watch that. With Pager and Gina playing with their six-inch black series, oh, and at cool. the end, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, dang near the entire cast, almost the entire cast of Rise of Skywalker, minus a couple, like Adam wasn't there, but John, Daisy, Oscar, they were. <laughs> They were just elated with the things they're seeing that's coming. Yeah, if Adam Driver showed up to talk about Star Wars toys on a Star Wars live stream, that would have been a bigger surprise than No, I Am Your Father. There's no Pretty way that, that dude's coming to play with some Star Wars toys. He's like, Pretty sorry, much. guys. I don't think I've ever seen him smile. <laughs> I, I, he, look, look, he does a phenomenal job in the movie. There's no doubt about that, but... He clearly is not necessarily interested in some of the promotional aspects. He's also really busy. You know, he I know he was like a marine or whatever. He was Yeah, he was a marine. Yep. He he may just be a very serious guy. I don't he's know. also 
He's he's just what Hawes said. He's working. I mean, Carrie Russell's done because they was on Broadway together doing the show for what three four months, and she's done. But no, he's off of doing work somewhere else. That's most likely why we ain't seen him there because he's working, earning money. Yeah. I want to see that movie with um, Channing Tatum and uh, Daniel Craig and Adam what's, Driver, where what's they're like co- country guys. They're super country, and they try to steal a bunch of money. What's it called? Um, I can't remember. I'm going to have to uh, look this up. He seems kind of goofy, and I, I think it, I, it's, it's like seeing Daniel Craig with a southern and accent and Adam Driver with like good old boy southern accents like seems like hmm. it would be a good time. Um. Yeah, I you know, I wish he would have Logan uh, Lucky or Lucky. Oh, Logan. okay, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. I uh, I do wish he had he had made it to a Star Wars celebration because I don't think he's been to one yet. Like I don't nope, think he he, ain't. he wasn't there for Force Awakens. He wasn't there for Last Jedi. I know was there for that one, and he wasn't there the for only, the, rest. the only thing that Adam Driver has attended was. San Diego Comic Con for before TLJ. That's the only thing he's been along for. And he was pretty much kind of surprised and shook when he was on that stage to see what happened for San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I know he'll end up doing all the late night shows, your Jimmy Kimmel's and stuff. And I think he's pretty funny on those when he does those. I just, uh, it's probably a matter of being like, look, I'm, I'm trying to do stuff other than Star Wars, you guys. So I got to go shoot movies and stuff. Like I don't, mm-hmm. he's clearly a guy, and this is totally understandable, that doesn't want his role in Star Wars to be the only thing that defines his career. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I've always said if there's going to be one of the cast members of the new cast that isn't interested in returning 10 or 15 years in the future, you know, a la a Harrison Ford, it'll probably be Adam Driver. Yep, he puts his all in in everything that he does, but not in any one place. It's all over the place. Now, one thing I'll say about uh, the festivities today, the Force Friday reveal is mm-hmm. uh, they didn't show off nearly enough of the cool things they have coming out for Force Friday. Like, just a brief look at Yak Face, and you'll see about ten times the amount of stuff. And I know it's, you know, there's it's they're probably playing a dance of getting the mix right, where, you know, you want to have your interview moments with the cast members and feature them and show stuff off. But, like, they've got two really cool X-Wing vehicles coming out in the Vintage Collection. That, oh, really? Yeah, that they didn't show off on the stream. And and they have, like, a really cool Luke Skywalker X-Wing helmet coming out. They didn't show that off during the stream. So, you know, I think they could have done a little bit better promoting the stuff, especially considering for the past month or two, it's just been leaking out online anyway. True. No, they they were more pushing for for that live stream today. No, they were clearly more pushing for what's coming for Rise of Skywalker. But I yeah, I, I saw what you was saying, Hawes, about Luke's T sixty five X Wing for the vintage collection. 
Yeah, and then also Poe Dameron's T70 that's what folks is saying is in BB-8 colors. It's kind of orange and white. Yep. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they was pushing that. Yep, they look really cool, but... They uh, do. They introduced a new character. I thought this was interesting. They kind of flipped it, uh, slipped this in. They were showing off the C-3PO Black Series figure and showing how he comes with Chewie's bandolier and bowcaster. And he also mm. comes packed with this little alien guy named Babu Frick, who mm-hmm. is a droid creator. He makes droids. And he's also tied into, if folks choose to go that away, into some MSW spoilers that come right. out this week. Right. Now, I'm... We, we, here, we don't do the spoilers, but if any of our Mm -hmm. listeners want to know more about Babu Freak, apparently you can go and, uh, check those out over at Making Star Wars. But, uh, I already did. (laughs) I think if I had to guess, he is going to have something to do with old Baked Eyes 3PO we see in the trailer. Yeah. So, so we're told if folks chose to go and choose to go that path, yeah, I was already there. So, I kind of get what that's coming from, and I'll go and put that down. Um, but he looks neat. I mean, it was kind of hard to get a lot of detail in on him uh, because it's such a... He's really little. Yeah, he's, he's small. Really small. Um, and I'll be interested to see if that was a practical puppet that they they used or if it was uh, it's a CG character. Um, or maybe a mix of both. Yeah, I mean... Typically, if it's a practical puppet, there is some CGI magic done mm-hmm. to smooth everything out nowadays. But I'm sending you a picture of him now, Will. You really got to zoom in. Like, he is smaller yeah, than an Ewok. And he looks kind of like, maybe like a little monkey guy. Yeah. Maybe he's Kowaki got... and monkey lizard. He's got a little bit of a, a Rio Durant vibe, minus a couple of arms. And much smaller, much, much smaller. He's kind of like a hello, Claire, monkey lizard. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, I thought it was fun. Like, it was an enjoyable 45-minute little stream, you know. Get a look at uh, some stuff, you know, see a lot of the cast again. Um, and then we'll see. Next Friday. Next Friday is Force Friday. We'll see how successful I am in my first uh, major Star Wars hunt in a long time. <laughs> and one more character that they didn't want to kind of pick too much up on that I thought for a minute looked like an Iktachi, like CC10, if you know who I'm, t- I'm speaking to. I do. The, the, yeah. But his name's Bullio, and I think, I'm pretty sure it was Oscar that was taking a look at that, and he said there weren't he didn't want to say much more to his character. So there's there's that one. He had two horns coming out of the top side of his head and then two more much shorter ones coming out from, I want to say, right about round where his cheeks are. Yep. So we don't know what that is. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he... Uh, and he- 
He looks like, based on the fact that we only saw him in Lego mini figure form, mm-hmm. so it looks like he's maybe he's part of the crew on the Falcon or something, because that's the set he comes with. Or yeah. maybe he's just on the Falcon along for the adventures. Maybe he's this uh, movie's nigh and numb, and him and uh, Lando are piloting the Falcon together. Hmm. Talk about things that make you go, hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, you know, little bits of information here and there. Nothing major. Mm-hmm. Some cool stuff to see. And uh, it's just nice to see, you know, everything picking up for Star Wars this this uh, fall and holiday season. When you know, it's the reason for the season. Star Wars is the reason for the season. Every day, all day. The reason is pleasing. <laughs> all right. Before we jump into uh, voicemails and emails, as we do here on the show, we got to talk about a story that broke this week. That's a little bit of a bummer. But hmm. I feel like we should discuss it. I talked about it with King Tom on this week's uh, edition of Rogue One, so I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think. Mm-hmm. That's what you and I talked about a little bit. When it, it is, came out. yes. Okay. So Bob Iger, the head of Disney, oh. released a autobiography this week, mm-hmm. and in that autobiography. He talked a little bit about, or actually quite a lot, about the acquisition of Lucasfilm, about working Mm -hmm. with George Lucas, and uh, let's say some bumps in the road that they hit along the way. Uh, So I'm going to read a little bit here from it. It says, at some point in the process, George told me that he had completed outlines for three new movies. He agreed... He agreed to send us three copies of the outlines, one for me, one for Alan Braverman, and one for Alan Horn, who'd just been hired to run our studio. Alan Horn and I read George's outlines and decided we need to buy them, though we made it clear in the purchase agreement that he would not be contractually obligated to adhere to the plot lines he'd laid out. He knew I was going to stand firm on the question of creative control, but it wasn't an easy thing for him to accept. And so he reluctantly agreed to be available to consult with us at our request. I promised that, promised that we would be open to his ideas. That was not a hard promise to make, of course. We would be open to George Lo- Of course we would be open to George Lucas's ideas. Yeah, right. But like the outlines, we would be under no obligation. Early on, Kathleen Kennedy brought J.J. and Michael Arndt up to Northern California to meet with George at his ranch and talk about their ideas for the film. George immediately got upset as they began to describe the plot and it dawned on him that we weren't using one of the stories he submitted during the negotiations. The truth was Kathleen, JJ, Allen, and I had discussed the direction in which the saga should go and we all agreed that it wasn't what George had outlined. George knew we weren't contractually bound to anything, but he thought our buying the story treatments was a tactic promise that we would follow them, and he was disappointed that his story was being discarded. I had been so careful since our first conversation not to mislead him in any way, and I didn't think I had now, but I could have handled it better. I should have prepared him for the meeting with J.J. and Michael and told him about our conversations, that we felt it was better to go in another direction. I could have talked through this with him and possibly avoiding voided angering him by not surprising him now in the first meeting with him about the future of star wars 
George felt betrayed, and while this whole process would have never been easy for him, we had gotten off to an unnecessarily rocky start. What do you think about that, Will? I just think it's really sad. I mean, I, I understand. It sounds real. Do you know what that means? Like, it, it sounds... It doesn't sound like anybody's rosy version of it. It kind of sounds like the reality of it. But it's just kind of sad to hear. I mean, just that George's feelings were hurt at all. But it makes sense because, I mean, if George was really trying to pull that direction like he was telling James Cameron about, you know, the going into the biological microscopic nature of the Force and the wills and how they use how the wills basically use people as vehicles of the force and they subsist and consume the force. They live off the force. I'm not looking for that story. I mean, I'm sure that's a cool star Wars story. And I still believe that that's probably canon in history. Like when we want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, but that's not a story I need told in a movie. That sounds like an amazing comic book story or graphic novel story or, you know? Yeah. I like, like I, my big thing is it bums me out that George was upset. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. On the other hand, it's not like they snuck in in the middle of the night and stole Star Wars from under him. They paid him. I was about to say, how much did they pay him? Over $4 billion. A billion. That's a lot of money to dry your tears with. I mean, you can cry a lot of tears into $4 billion. Yeah, he was compensated for all his incredible work. And look, I will. I'm not the guy that will take anything away from George Lucas. I love Uncle no. George. Uncle right. George has brought so much joy and fulfillment into my life with his crazy ideas. But at the end of the day, he sold his company. It was in the contract that they could do what they wanted. I understand that you know he. I understand him being hurt. Yeah, and absolutely. Being blindsided. 100. That really wasn't cool. That was like. Yeah, and I, I also respect Bob Iger for being like, yeah, I fucked that up. I could have handled that better. You know? And, and he said that shit about Twin Peaks, too, honestly. Um, and this is the thing. When you... And, and I think it's really interesting. Pablo Hidalgo, either today or yesterday, posted the original outline for Star Wars. And it is wildly different than the final product we got uh -huh. talking about demigods and stuff right and it's set in the 33rd century <laughs> and and shit like that so wildly different so you would think that maybe like george lucas would understand the creative process of this is yeah. the starting point this is not what the final product was going to be and right. that happened with every Star Wars movie he had a hand in. You know, what he originally uh, started off, started off with, idea-wise, changed wildly by the time we saw the final product movie. Um, so, you know, I, I am wildly fascinated with this idea of George Lucas's unused <clears throat> ideas for the sequel trilogy. Um, me too. I would love to read them sometime. Me too. But and you know, I'm not that I would hate for it to give ammunition to people who are like, "Oh, this is the real Star Wars." 
That's not what I want. I'm just curious. That's curious as to where his mind was going. That that's honestly what bums me out about this whole thing is because that's exactly what it's done is it's given assholes ammunition to just shit on Star Wars even more. You know? Like I as And soon I don't as ever I, want George to do that because it would put it would create a schism. Well, this there is the be, thing. Clearly George is at least semi okay with everything because he shows up, right? To he, the premieres, right? He, Called Ryan Johnson. There's a scene in the director of the in the Jedi, the documentary mm-hmm. about the making of the Last Jedi. He calls yep. Ryan Johnson and talks to him like the day before they start filming or whatever. Uh, he said that the Last Jedi was quote unquote beautifully made. He showed up on set for Rogue One and Solo. He's basically credited for dis- directing like a small scene in Solo. Mm-hmm. So like no. No, no, he didn't direct. He made a suggestion to Ron Howard. He didn't direct it. Right, we're splitting he hairs a suggestion. here. He, he made a suggestion that made it into the final movie. Mm-hmm. So you could... For the layman, not for us big brain Star Wars guys sitting around this virtual <laughs> table, he directed a small moment in Solo. So... um I'm just saying, like, I don't want the dude to be bummed, but it seems like he's at least sort of okay with it now, and apparently mm-hmm. been brought on to consult with episode nine as well. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at with the Bob Iger and George Lucas situation. His bitterness is palpable. Like, but I mean, really, I hope he he like we are saying. What what do you have to be bitter about? Like. You created one of the most beloved properties and stories of all time, you know, and so much so that people paid you four billion dollars so that you could carry they could carry it on for you, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if this was some kind of hostile corporate takeover of Star Wars, it'd be a lot harder, you know, easier to feel bad in the end because of something like that. Then once again, a guy got paid four billion dollars. For by the way, I think Disney underpaid. They could have paid him ten billion. <laughs> they like, probably could have. They I think Star could. Wars is worth a hundred billion. But at the end of the day, four billion dollars is a hell of a lot of money that George then, in turn, used to do a lot of good. He donated a lot say, of that, that to charity. A lot of philanthropy. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm happy with the Star Wars wars we've gotten since George sold Lucasfilm. So to me. It's all a win-win, and it's just a little bit of a bummer that George wasn't so stoked about the start of the relationship with Disney. I need George Lucas to start writing weird paperback fiction. <laughs> what I want to see is George Lucas's... Uh, he's, he's always said that after he sold Star Wars, he was going to go make weird little independent films that he was only going to show to his friends. Like, I want to see those. Yes. Yes. I don't know that he actually ever started doing that, but man, I would love to see what that's all about. Oh, man. Him and Spielberg in a room just like in James Cameron watching these things. Mm-hmm. And the two of them looking at each other behind his back going like, dude, dude, I know. He's on the fourth sequel to THX 1138. This guy's crazy. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to take a couple mile long step back from what Hawes was saying about where this started with the, this, uh, what's it called? Autobiography 
from Bob Iger. Right. And while you was captain in the helm of Rogue One for this week because Johnny went along, and you had Tom Chansky along, well, you and Stu both rode home from work with me today. And I'm going to go and recommend, Blue Harvest listeners, if you ain't listened to this week's Rogue One with Hawes and King Tom, you clearly need to give that a listen because there was a lot of goddamn smart Star Wars talk hmm. about this here topic that just go give it a listen because all of it's on point. And yeah, it, it was feeling badly because Mr. Iger said he stepped off with his right foot when he should have stepped off with his left foot and didn't include Mr. Lucas about what was going on. And through, I'm thinking what happened since, now there, that, that, that all done got cleared up. And every next Star Wars story thing that come after has always been GL included, if you take my meaning. Yeah, and, and we also have to keep in mind that they have established in the years since then that some of George Lucas's ideas for the sequel trilogy are in the sequel trilogy that we've been getting. The idea of a female Jedi being the one to carry the torch. You mm-hmm. know, Clearly and plainly, if folks are paying attention, because you can tell when folks aren't paying attention... <laughs> about what's being told you can tell when when this is a thing that came from him about he ain't forefront but what we're being told it came from him yeah there's there's definitely elements and some big elements um Mm -hmm. very big yeah you're right luke being in exile like Mm -hmm. there's there's plenty I wouldn't. I don't know. I, you, maybe one day we'll get it all hashed out and figure out where all the little di- different bits and pieces came from. But um, to say that there's nothing that George Lucas came up with in this sequel trilogy, I think is pretty dishonest. I think it's been yeah, established. That's true. So, you know, I just think if, and I understand. I understand that George, that Star Wars is George Lucas's baby. He created a phenomenon that had not like there had never, never been anything like star Wars until he came along and created what he did. And I get that. And I get how close and how personal star Wars is to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally understand why he would be upset, but I think honestly, if he thought about it and thought about the billion different drafts for the original star Wars and how he came up with an initial idea and then, iterated on it and iterated on it and worked on it until we got what we got. I think he would see that it was essentially the same process they were all going with. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I agree with that. Alrighty. So let's do some, um, some voicemails before we wrap up the evening and let's hear a little song from our buddy, Steve, D before we get into voicemails. Go, go. Kia D, Kia D, Kia D, 
just only that I don't like. Alrighty, so first up, we have King Tom himself, who we were just talking about. Let's hear <laughs> what uh, the king of all Toms has to say this week. Hey there, Haas and Will. So, this Kevin Feige thing, I'm, I'm very interested in, but it's, it's the type of news that raises a lot more questions than it answers. And, you know, that's pretty much where we're at with any Star Wars news these days. But it's, it's something to look forward to in the future. I'm sure we'll find out more and it won't, you know, not everything will be as it seems. But I was online this morning and I saw a headline. I, I'll, I'll admit I didn't click the article because the headline was pretty much out there. But it was the headline was something to the effect of Kevin Feige taking Star Wars movie means he doesn't have time for Spider-Man and the MCU. Which I guess they were saying one of the reasons that they're saying he won't be doing another MCU Spider-Man movie is because he's doing a Star Wars movie. And, I mean, I know the guy has only got a limited amount of time, but at the same time, I don't think it's one of those things where, Kevin has 10 movies on his plate, but 11 is a little too much. It, he's he's going to be very involved with whatever he does. He's going to be in charge of it. He's going to executive produce, but it's not like he's doing everything. He's never done everything on a movie set before. But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, this is a kind of what's your favorite child situation? If you had to choose, Hawson, and, and I, I'm fine if Will answers this too. I'd love to know what Will, Will feels, but I, I know how strongly Hawes feels about Spider-Man. If you had to choose between... Kevin Feige doing a, a Star Wars movie. We don't know the topic or anything else. Or Spider-Man in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which would you choose? That's it. That's the question. I'll talk to you later. Oh my goodness. He's really putting the screws to me this week. What a horrible there. decision to have to make. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm out on this one. Between you two. Will, you go ahead real quick because the clip for my mic stand just fell somewhere behind the table, so I'll let you answer that while I find it. All right. Oh, dang. The, um, the inclusion of Spider-Man in the MCU was such a breath of fresh air and so good that it's hard for me to say it, but I'll take the Star Wars film. And, I mean, Tom Holland did an incredible job as Peter Parker in Spider-Man. You know, and for him to be in the MCU, it was incredible. Like, it was finally just, you know, able to see that. To me, and I know from, like, now we're missed, all we're missing is the X-Men. But to me, at this point, I've seen them for separate so long, I think it would be weird 
to see them together. But, you know, and I know it's not because I've seen them in comics all, you know, all day long together, but no, it's odd. And even when I play Marvel Ultimate Alliance, it's weird seeing everybody all together there. And I'll take the Star Wars film. So this is the thing. All right. This is what I'm thinking. I love seeing the connected Marvel Universe. Spider-Man hanging out with all my favorites. Like it is the comics I grew up reading on the screen. You know what I mean? It is like seeing those come to life. I think Kevin Feige is an immensely talented dude. There's no doubt about that. He's very good at what he does. You're right there, Anthony. You okay, buddy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm good. He uh, he's great at what he does, but I think there is also a ton of people that are really great at what they could do. What what he does that they could get to come on and do the same thing. So I'm actually going to say. I'd rather see him still working with Spider-Man and Spider-Man being part of the MCU. Ooh, wow. Yep. And this, and I'm saying that is, that is not what I expected. I'm saying that as someone who is very excited to see what he does with Star Wars, but I want that Spidey in the MCU. Mm-hmm. I love Spidey. It was good. It was good. All right. <clears throat> Next up, we have a voicemail from our buddy Andy. Now, our buddy Andy, who runs the Star Wars Ramblings YouTube page. He just launched his Star Wars podcast, and you guys should all go check that out. It's Star Wars Ramblings. On, uh, I believe he's on iTunes and Google Play so far. Um, is he a YouTuber? He is. Former U- he still oh. is a YouTuber. Added to my playlist. There's a, uh, a video of me and Andy from uh, Star Wars Celebration talking about the, uh, the Mandalorian. It was a good time. Okay. I appreciated him having me, or yeah, him having me on his channel. But anyways, um, let's hear what Andy has to say. Hey, Oz. Hey, Will. This is Andy Siner. Um, I apologize, first off, because it's like only the 22nd. It's Sunday. So if I'm not talking about some sort of massive Star Wars thing that happened, that's why. And I apologize for that. Uh, I'm just trying to get it out now while I'm thinking about it because I keep, you know, forgetting to send in a voicemail until like Friday. And then I'm like, ah, oh, they probably already recorded it. I'll just leave it until next week. And then it happens again and again and again. Damn it. I wanted to call you guys and uh, ask you guys a damn question. Now, uh, that question is not quite Star Wars related, but um, it does have to do with just fandom in general. And that is, there have been things going around on the internet about um, a Princess Bride remake or reboot and a Battlestar Galactica remake or reboot, both of which um, were met with less than enthusiastic, well, no, correction, very enthusiastic no's and no thank yous. And while I can understand it, while I can get that people don't want, you know what? No, I don't, I don't really understand it. If I'm being honest with you, um, I get that people make their fandom part of their personality. I really do. I feel that sometimes too. Um, I get grumpy when I don't like something that's star Wars, but it doesn't, 
affect me, it seems, in the same way that it affects a lot of other fans and other fandoms and just across the board. And I'm not trying to come off all high and mighty here. I'm sure I am, but uh, I just, I don't get it. Like, where does that sense of ownership come from? Um, where is that sense of needing to protect the thing that you, uh, care about when it, it, to me, at least it can't be affected by a reboot. You don't like the 2022 Princess Bride? Well, go back to the 90s Princess Bride. You got it on Blu-ray. You own it on Google Play. You own it on iTunes or Apple Movies or whatever the hell they're calling it now. It, it still exists. I just And that feeds into the Star Wars fandom, too, with the Legends split and the, um, uh, the, the whole, you know, Disney's ruining Star Wars and the, this, that, and the other. And I just, I don't get it. I, I don't understand the need to protect something that you love um, because, correction, I do understand that because that, that sentence did not come out right. But I, I understand protecting something that you love, but I just don't understand why you need to protect something from being remade. Um, I, just, I just don't see how it will affect it. If you loved Katie Stackoff's um, Starbucks, great that's awesome i love the i love starbuck too i love starbuck from the 2004 reboot of battlestar galactica but, but um i mean the the 2023 version of starbuck doesn't affect katie stackoffs at least to me i don't don't think it does and i'm curious where do you guys think that sense of ownership comes from is it just plain and simply that people uh, pour so much of their identity into the stories that they love? Or is it just something else? Is it just a deeper societal thing? I don't know. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on, um, I wouldn't say fan entitlement, but fan ownership, um, where they feel like they own the thing and that they better do what we want them to do. When it's really not up to us. If we, the only way, The only vote that we get is with our dollar, you know? I don't know. Just a thought. Anyways, um, sorry for throwing such a heavy-handed um, <coughs> topic and question to you guys, but uh, yeah, I'm curious. Well, you guys have a good one, and uh, as always, may the force be with you guys. Take care. Thanks, Andy. That is an interesting question. I know personally, uh, I'd be pretty upset if they were like, all right, guys, guess what we're doing? We're remaking the original trilogy. Like, and I don't know if, for me, it comes from some sort of sense of ownership over Star Wars. As much as it would be, I would rather them not spend their time doing that. I would rather see new Star Wars stories than remade Star Wars stories. Like, I'm, I'm looking for the new Star Wars, not someone else's take on the story from the original trilogy. Um, and also, I have other things. Like, I like The Princess Bride. I'm, I'm definitely not, like, a super fan of The Princess Bride. But I know plenty of people do, or that are. And I can see why the idea of remaking something that they like so much bums them out. But, like, if they, if they wanted to remake Big Trouble in Little China, which they've talked about doing for a while now, like, I would be real bummed. 
Because what I want is a Big Trouble in Little China sequel, not a remake. And for me, personally, that's where it comes from, more than like some sense of ownership. Now, here's, here's something I want to know. Royal Farm Boy, Anthony, if you're nasty. Yes, sir. Uh, if the news came out that the next three Star Wars movies were going to be remakes of A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, what would you think of that? Hmm. I'm actually thinking, I just went and looked, because I got a laptop here, to take a look, that you named him out as Andy. And yeah, Andrew Siner, he follows me, and I'm humbled and grateful he follows me back. Um, I'm going to turn this around like 180 degrees because he was asking about Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica right? and what folks are... I got a great wide, deep and wide thoughts about this, but I'm going to try and bundle up as small as I can about what folks are thinking because not well liking not liking what they've been told but to me and maybe you might have heard me say this somewhere else in other places to me when folks go and do that i call it they're holding on to it too goddamn tightly you gotta let up because though you love it so it ain't yours it ain't ours it's a story being told to you. It's a story being told to all of us. And you love it so much. And you get so invested, as modern day folks say, but it's not ours. You can love it as much as you want. It's the storyteller's property. It belongs to them. They choose to share it with you. And you choose to love it. But it's not for us to say how that story's being told or should be told. And it's what I call folks getting in their own way. You can like what you like because somebody's telling you a story. It ain't yours to be told. It ain't for you to say how it's to be told to. That's what's happening because folks claim ownership over something that don't belong to you. Can you see that? Because when you see that, problems go away. But if you can't see that, that's what's been going on. That's how the fandom menace was born. They don't understand that this story that they love weren't theirs. Yeah, and it's some somebody trying to tell you a story. And Andy brings up a good point that a remake of something or a changing of something or a reboot of something doesn't take away the other thing that you're into. So No, if, it don't. If they remade Big Trouble in Little China, I probably just wouldn't see it and I would just enjoy the original. You know, mm -hmm. like that's, and that would not affect my enjoyment of the original. Once again, I'd be bummed that we never got a sequel, but that's just how it shook out. Now, 
Will, what do you feel? What's yeah. your feelings on this subject? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. Um, there are some properties that can handle a reboot, and there are some properties that I don't think you should. Um, there are some things that I consider cinematic history, and they don't need to be remade. Like, you know, like The Princess Bride would be one of them. You know, Ghostbusters, uh, Back to the Future. These are movies that, like I said, for their cinematic history, I don't really think they need to be remade because they're made pretty well the first time. Now, there are other properties that are, you know, can handle a re- Battlestar Galactica can handle. I mean, with the total different direction they would they went with the most recent one compared to the one in the 70s. I mean, you can reboot Battlestar Galactica all day long. Like you, it's like Gundam. You can do any shade of Battlestar Galactica you really want to. Uh, it holds up pretty well, apparently. Uh, I mean, you know, like Red Dawn, you can reboot that thing as many times you want to. Like, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but there are certain properties that aren't going to hold up for that. And I don't think Star Wars is one of them. I think, again, it's one. I think the original saga, again, falls into the purview of cinematic history. Like, it's good the way it is. Like, it's cinematic history. Like, you're not going to. I mean, there's. A, I know we remake horror movies. You know, horror movies are one of those things that sometimes are are they stand up when you remake them or redo them. They get better or they they show a different perspective on what the original did. But um, I don't think Star Wars is one of those. Dude. Now on the other part of it. <clears throat> yes. Um, I think it boils down to psychologically simply a fear of change. People find things that they love, and they are scared of change. And when you love something so much you don't want it to change, it, it can't grow. You can keep it that way, but it's not going to grow. Uh, and those are people that don't necessarily want growth. They don't want change. They just want to keep what they like the way they like it. I think. Yeah, yeah Will Will's on point. That's that's a thing I didn't go and think of. Yeah, it needs to get, it needs to go bigger and wider. It can't stay the same thing. So, yeah, Will. On point, buddy. Well, thank you. Hawes, what you had a point in there that I... Oh, I, you you brought up horror movie remakes. You Will, you know how much I love some fucking Freddy Krueger, right? Right. <laughs> they did a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street in 2010. You know what I did? I just didn't see it. I haven't seen it to this day. And I just watched the old ones. That's all I need. And did it, like, ruin the old ones for me? Nah. Nah, man. Still like those goofy ass movies as much as I did before. No, it, it doesn't blow it up bigger and wider, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how successful that remake was because if I, I feel like if it was super successful, we would have seen a lot more since then. But I just kind of ignored it, and I was totally fine, you know. But but did it expand the story even a little bit? I don't, buddy. I couldn't tell you. Never he saw it. Seen it. He wouldn't be able to tell you. I never even watched the trailers. Like, I took a stance because to me, Robert England is Frederick Krueger, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to see somebody else play Freddy, regardless of how good of an actor they may be. Like, the guy they got is a really good actor, but I, that's, I didn't need it. So I just went about my merry way and watched nightmare on elm street 3 the dream warriors about seven more times (laughs) on the other hand i think rob zombie's halloween was pretty good like that's but that's super divisive i enjoy them but there's plenty of people that love those movies those halloween movies that don't like those oh yeah that's true i mean i'm just saying like like it was my example halloween is a property that can be rebooted i feel like 
All right. So we got uh, we got one more voicemail, and then we'll call it an <laughs> evening. And this one's from our buddy Jim. So let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Hawes and Will. Uh, I think that I heard on about the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, show that he's going to be around a familiar droid. And I posted on Twitter, uh, who would you like, uh, Chopper, K2SO, or uh, Bucket. But uh, I've been thinking about R5-D4, like uh, some Republic-friendly uh, guy shows up with R5-D4, and basically they go on adventures with uh, Obi-Wan and get the shit beat out of them constantly, and they're always remarking, man, R5, you're indestructible, you know, <laughs> you're made out of, you know, pressed latinum, I can't think of it, but uh, I know that's a different universe, but anyway, um, and then finally they get handed, you know, somehow he ends up in the hands of the Jawas and uh, blows the motivator, like couldn't possibly go on another adventure, but uh, tell me what you guys think, what, what droid would you like hanging out with Obi-Wan? So that was sort of an interesting um, piece of information that came out around the uh, announcement of the Obi-Wan series. I believe it was Fanthatrax that uh, initially reported this familiar mechanical sidekick or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe they're blowing that a little out of proportion because we know they remade... R5, or our droid that looks a lot like R5 for The Mandalorian. John Favreau showed it off on his Instagram. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe he will have some sort of um, interactions with R5. I just don't see it being him. What if it's BB-8? Oh, BB-8's not built yet. He's too advanced to be part of that storyline in the timeline, Will. Well, I mean, Obi-Wan on Tatooine? <laughs> yeah. How old is BB-8? BB-8's, like, BB-8 is an advanced... 30 years later. Yeah, like, he's an advanced, you know, astromech unit. Mm-hmm. Well, R2-D2 is, like, 100 years old, dude. I don't know how old that is. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah, BB-8 hasn't... He's not even a twinkle in the droid maker's eye at that point. BB Exactly. Um, yeah. Honestly, something what tells me... something stupid like the little mouse droid? <laughs> no, it's a probe droid. It's a probe droid, Will. Man in the bathtub. Man in the that bathtub. Was a, that was a mouse droid, Will. No, not there. Um, Yeah, I, the only... I, I, I honestly think it has to be R5-D4, but I don't think it's going to be in any big way. Like, I don't think he's going to be a huge featured part of the show. That'd be seem that'd seem kind of odd, and let's be honest, that would just further the confusion of I don't what ever if, seem to remember owning a droid. What if Obi Wan needs a motivator, and he takes out the good motivator, like he switches out for the bad motivator, and like you need, you know, what if Obi Wan needs the good one for something, some survival? Well, but hold up now. Um, I'm gonna go go and. Colin Hawes, did you read or listen to from a certain point of view? I did. Them stories? I did. Okay. All right. 
All right. At the end of, oh, god damn it. The the red one, the story about R five D four. When he's let go, he's going wandering off in, in the desert at the end of that story. Am I right? Right. I believe so. Could it be that maybe, and I hate speculating because I don't go and do that. Could it be that for Ben Kenobi finds R2 and Luke and 3PO, could it be that maybe Ben Kenobi crosses paths with R5-D4? I mean, I think that is very likely, but... um... Or I just an IG droid. Oh, no, not yeah. an IG droid. Yes. Just, yes. just Ben Kenobi and R five D four. Yes, will make every Disney Plus spinoff show have an IG droid sidekick. Will this is why we're best friends, my man? Oh, Fucking a different number. It doesn't have yeah. to be eighty eight or something. Or eleven. No. So like in in uh, the Mandalorian, he's hanging out with IG eleven. Uh, and Cassian, uh, Cassian, it, there's going to be like a love triangle between K2, IG14, and Cassian. <laughs> and then in the Obi-Wan series, he's hanging out with IG69. And you know what they do? Oh, they shit. Robo69. That's what they do. That's how the series ends. Nah. Oh, it, no, sir. Oh, it no, sir. It no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. I'm a prophet. <laughs> All right, carry on. <laughs> As Luke Cruiser says, carry on. <laughs> um, so, uh, there we go. That's the story. I And that's the story. That's the story. But, you know, look, Star Wars does like to, to slide in a sly reference here and there. So if R5 is uh, part of the story, and if you make some sort of, like, I would imagine there will be some sort of funny reference to a bad motivator or I don't know something's not right about that little red droid or whatever it may be it's got a bad motivator anyways um, that does it for the voicemails this week Anthony buddy thank you for coming on the show I am so humbled and grateful uh, you had me why don't you tell the good people where they can follow you on twitter and whatnot so they can uh, interact with you on uh on the old social media. Well, if it weren't for Yin's podcasters, I would never have been on that social media because I sent many an email and voicemail to some shows. So it's because of like Yin's that I'm in that Twitterverse. You brought me there because I wanted to talk to my Star Wars friends. And do you want to find me? You know where to find me. I'm posting my playlist. Same as Michael Condon does. Same as Conversations does. And so many of our other friends sharing what you're doing. Because if you weren't doing, we wouldn't be there. You can find me at Rural Farm Boy. 
There you go. And at rural uh, at a rural farm boy, right? Or a rural farm boy. There's an A. You can eat. Yes, sir. A dot rural farm boy. You can find me at Yahoo rural farm boy at Gmail. If you want to send me messages there, you can send me DMs. And anybody got an open spot where their host not doing, not able to pick up doing their podcast, ask me along. I'll fill, I'll fill your seat. Let's talk Star Wars. There you go. Um, hey, guys, we have a Patreon page we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, if you guys want bonus podcast every week, check it out. Uh, at Blue Harvest Patreon. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Uh, if you like the band that uh, provided the song for us, the theme song, the music for the theme song, guys, my brain is fried right now. Uh, <laughs> check them out. They're Stone Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And uh, next week... Will and I will be recording pre-Force Friday uh, on Thursday, I would imagine. And then Friday morning, I'm going to get up bright and early and maybe do a little recording as I'm out doing a Star Wars hunt. So until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. And I'm Rural Farm Boy. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.